0: It has been 60 years since a driver has won in their series debut. Well through turn 11, Shane van Gisbergen has been perfect. He has navigated the streets of Chicago to perfection. The final time, on to the front stretch, he comes to the checkered flag. He's
1: That was one of the big stories in motorsport this year. Welcome back to the program. He didn't win the V8 title in his swan song, Shane Van Gisbergen, but at his first attempt at a NASCAR race, a street race, he won. Uh, Tim Hodges joins us to review a big year in motorsport, both domestically and internationally. Hello, Tim.
0: G'day, Julian. I like the fact you're winding up the West Aussies about their test crowds. That's good. Been good listening so far.
1: Do, do you really think there were 16,000 there yesterday, Tim? No, not at all. Well, the ground must hold 100,000. If There were 16,000 there. Anyway, that is another argument, and we are fearing backlash from over west if we keep talking about that. Now, I'm assuming that performance from Shane Van Gisbergen uh, sits pretty highly on uh, someone that had a pretty good year in motorsport.
0: Uh, well, it's, um, are we going through your order as you said you Yes, we to are. Me or... That is correct. Yeah, so, uh, so, no, he was an absolute highlight, that moment for him, and let alone the fact that he won another Bathurst 1000 title, finished second in the Supercar Championship. But um, he was able to take a punt to go to America. um, and, And for that, you have to thank the likes of Scott McLaughlin and Marcus Ambrose, who have opened doors that never existed for Aussies and Kiwis to be able to go to America and force their way in. And he got what was a guest drive in that opening, that NASCAR had never had a street race. It was in the streets of Chicago, and he went and dominated and won the thing. Um, first time in six decades, a rookie has won a NASCAR race. So it, it's opened up his career. The fact that, um, you know, at the start of this year, he never would have thought it would be even possible for him to be looking at a career in America full time from 2024. But that's exactly what he's doing. So he's bid so long to, to supercars. He leaves as a multiple series champion, a multiple Bathurst 1000 winner. And from Feb next year, he starts his NASCAR journey at the the biggest and most daunting super speedway of them all at Daytona International Raceway, which will be a great watch throughout the next few years to see if he can get his head around these stock cars that go close to 400 kilometres an hour around and around in circles.
1: Yeah, he's been an all-time great in the sport of V8 supercars. So who else would put their head on the pillow at the end of the year, Tim, and go, that was a pretty memorable year for me? Well,
0: I think um, one in Australia and one abroad. So Brody Kostecki, the, the new supercars champion, I don't think anyone was more surprised than Kostecki and his Erebus team that they were able to to conquer Van Gisburg and, and his all-conquering 888 team. Um, he'd never even won a race before this season had started. Uh, his first race win didn't come until the streets of Albert Park at the Grand Prix where the supercars were a support category. Um, that's what... Made it that uh, made it such a surprise for him to be able to to hold his nerves, to beat a, an all time great in Van Gisbergen in what is basically a privateer team at Erebus. So I, I think he was the feel good story for Supercars, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later on. They had plenty of problems um, both on the track and off the track Supercars, but but Brody Kostecki becoming um, uh, the maiden champion I, I think was a great story, and um, you know he will be it's set up with Van Gisbergen and leaving, with McLaughlin having gone a couple of years ago, Wing Cup having retired a few years ago. You know, it, the stage is now set for, for the Brody kostecki era, and I think it started this year.
1: So you think he could be quite dominant in the next few years?
0: Well, the whole purpose of these brand-new Gen 3 cars and supercars is to make the field more even, more competitive and harder for one team, for one car, for one driver to dominate. So I don't think he'll have the dominance that we've seen in the past, but I still think at round one at Mount Panorama next Feb that he will be the car to catch, which is um really cool again because that is a Betty Clemente's Erebus team is basically a privateer operation. It's awesome for that that team to be the best in the business at the moment. Not only did they they win the driver's crown with Kostecki, they won the teams championship as well. So Huge plaudits for, for Betty Clamenco in particular. You know, I think one of the most influential females in Australian sport with what she's been able to do. And she's a massive petrol head, and she's tipped a lot of money in and she's had unbelievable results in supercars. So... To answer your question, I think he'll be the man to catch. I don't think he'll have the dominance of the Van Gisbergen's, of McLaughlins, of the Wing Cups, you know, of the Scafes in the past, but I, I still think he'll be the favourite for next year's title.
1: Speaking of Tim Hodges, we wrap up the year in motorsport, and very shortly we'll look ahead to 2024 and what we should be looking out for. There's probably one other pretty high-profile driver that will sleep pretty well at the end of the year, isn't there?
0: Yeah, well, internationally, it's, there's only one bloke, and that's uh, Max Verstappen, who is... I find him complete misery guts. He's, he never seems to be, he never seems to be enjoying himself. Um, and he's had the most ridiculously uh, awesome season in Grand Prix history to win nineteen of twenty two races. is uh, It's unbelievable, actually, that that could even happen. You know, the most laps led ever in the sports history in one season. It was a complete and utter annihilation from the Dutch superstar who won a third straight world championship. And his Red Bull car is a rocket ship and good luck to anyone trying to stop him continuing on because um, he's got unbelievable confidence and he just wears down everyone else. I mean, even look at his teammate, Sergio Perez, who was able to win a couple of races. But um, by the end of it, you know, he was completely cooked because it's just it's an arduous thing to keep up with Max Verstappen, who is, I think, already, and he's only in the very early stages of his career. He's already in the same realm of Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher and Lewis Hamilton and he's on the way to beating all of their records if he can continue the dominance which he has this year, which I fear he will across the next couple of years because they are they are in a different postcode, that Red Bull team, to everyone else.
1: Yeah, dominant ridiculous this year. So who would be more than happy for twenty twenty three to end?
0: Uh, you said, Sia, yeah, two have had a poor season. I, I think I'm just putting Formula One as a sport and supercars as a sport. Both, oh, wow. They'll both, re- both reflect on 2023 as not being great seasons for them and, and for different reasons. For Formula One first, I mean, for one team to be as dominant as they were to win collectively the Red Bull team 21 of the 22 races, you know, the only other driver to win was Carlos Sainz in a Ferrari at Singapore, which was one of the great Grand Prix of the year. I mean, it's just not good enough. It's, it's not competitive enough. And even Martin Brundle tweeted the other day, Julian, and there was a picture that Red Bull has put up on socials of every trophy that the Red Bull team won this year. And he said it's, it's unbelievable that that could happen because this is supposed to be as competitive and as even as Formula One has ever been. And, and the rules have been set up for that to happen. And it has been as lopsided as the sport has ever been because Red Bull is that much better than everyone else. So I think it's a perfect storm. Red Bull is that much better than everyone else. And Max Verstappen is that much better than everyone else. But every other team was really poor this year. And, and that, I think it's headlined by Mercedes. So Lewis Hamilton just was never in a position to be able to realistically contend this year. I think the Ferraris were, were poor on and off the track. Um, even the McLaren team, which really picked up their game, thankfully for Oscar Piastri towards the end of the season, and he was a revelation really, and became the rookie of the year. But at the start of the year, the McLarens were were a laughing stock. So um, I think the sport of Formula One needs its teams to bring a better game, to pull their socks up, and just be better next year, to take the fight to Red Bull, because we know we know Red Bull will turn up with a, an unbelievably competitive car, and they've got the best driver by a street in the field at the moment with confidence high. So the others just have to bring a better game. Um, otherwise, we'll, we'll have, and I fear, that we'll, we'll have you know, a whitewash like we did this year, which is not healthy. No one wants, um, and you knew all along, especially in the second half of the year, that Verstappen was going to dominate yeah. and was going to win the races, was going to be on pole position, and that's exactly how the second half of the season played out. So nobody wants that in their sport. And if Grand Prix wants to continue to thrive in popularity, It can't afford to have that.
1: So Oscar Piastri is certainly one to look out for in 2024. Who else are you looking forward to? Or who else should we be looking out for next year?
0: I think the Mercedes team has to be better, as I said before. And that that would be great to see Lewis Hamilton, who's had two really lean seasons and and certainly winless seasons. would be great to see him back on the top step of the podium. But yeah, I'm most optimistic about the McLaren team, which was, the biggest improver in the entire Grand Prix field. And they provided such a good package for him in the second half of the season where he was able to, you know, tick off his first win, albeit in a sprint race, his first pole in the sprint race, what was awesome. And it just goes to show, and I think it went to show for everyone in pit lane, that Oscar Piastri is the real deal. Like he, he has won world championships in F2. He's won world championships in F3 in Formula Renault. Like He's been a star on the rise. He's ticked off all the boxes to get to Formula 1, and he showed enough in his rookie season to show that he is the real deal. If McLaren can give him a car that can contend with the Red Bulls, I think he's winning Grand Prix as soon as next year. And I I think he will be Australia's next world champion.
1: And before I let you go, just quickly, Tim, uh, we're talking this time next year. What will the big story in motorsport have been?
0: I'm leaning towards uh, Scott McLaughlin in IndyCar, finished third in in the title fight this year, Um, the championship or bust for him next year. So I think he'll become one of the biggest stories in American motorsport that if he can go and win the IndyCar championship and, and the biggest one of all, which... It's really driving him uh, a hell of a lot. If he can win the biggest race on earth, the Indianapolis 500, that would be something. So I'm leaning towards that being the biggest motorsport story of 2024.
1: Hodges Motorsports second.
0: Well, we kick off tomorrow night down in (laughs) Warrnambool, Julian. So, uh, yeah, James McFadden at the wheel. It's Max's race at Premier Speedway in Warrnambool. So we'll see how we go. Our first first, um, start in Season 2 of the uh, Car 5.
1: Good luck. Uh, Enjoy, Tim, as always. Uh, Generous with your time. Thanks for your wrap-up of motorsport in 2023. And uh, it's going to be another big year in 2024. Yeah, look forward to it. Thanks, Jules. Great to have Tim Hodges on the program.